Welcome back to your home inspector training. I am Garth Haslam, the home medic. Subject today is stoves and fireplaces, i.e. wood stoves and, uh, and fireplaces. As you are inspecting homes, of course, one of the components that is important to uh, a lot of home buyers is does the property have that wood burning stove or the gas fireplace or even the pellets? We're going to be talking about the pellet type fireplaces as well. And of course, you're going to be expected to uh, know about all of the above and what the strengths and weaknesses are. And we're going to get you to some small level of understanding on each of these. Um, start with wood burning stoves. Now, in the uh, state and year that I am in right now, um, wood burning stoves are quickly going out of fashion. There have been for a couple of years in a row, there, there have been, um, legislators that are talking about making those illegal or at least severely restricted. Uh, they're not politically correct. And, uh, there was enough backlash from, from people that use them as their primary heating source that, um, the legislature was not able to succeed. But as time goes by, wood-burning stoves are going to be less and less um, environmentally correct and uh, more regulated. So you're going to want to uh, pass that sort of information along to your clients as, uh, as they're talking uh, about buying homes with wood-burning. There was actually an inspection that I did not very long ago where the, uh, the client was all about the three wood-burning stoves that were in his house. And that was a primary reason why he was actually buying this house, is he was excited about um, these three wood-burning stoves, and um, he thought that was awesome. He was less excited when I told him about the, um, the legislative attempts to make them non-kosher. So depending on what state you're living in and uh, what the legislative atmosphere may be, uh, this might be information you're going to want to pass along to your clients as well. Now, starting with the firebox in a, a wood-burning stove, you're going to want to make sure that a couple of things are happening. Uh, first off, of course, you're going to want to make sure that it has all of the components that you expect out of a wood-burning stove. I actually did an inspection on a home that had been recently remodeled, and the guy put in a wood-burning fireplace in the living room, the front entry. Uh, and, and so that was all there and all pretty, etc. But he had completely forgotten to put in a chimney. So, yeah, basically the first time somebody lights up this fireplace, uh, all the smoke is going to go into the house. And then, uh, and then people start getting phone calls from lawyers. I was very grateful that I had the uh, the wherewithal to make sure that that particular fireplace had a chimney. You know, sometimes you got to be inspecting for the obvious, and in this case, thank goodness I did. You just expect a fireplace to have a chimney. In this case, it did not. I've actually seen that a few times in my career as a home inspector. Um, in addition... You, if you've got a wood burning stove, you're going to want to make sure that they're not, that they're burning wood in it. And basically what that means is if they're, if there's signs that they're using coal or, uh, you know, some other, some other material besides wood, uh, you need to write that one up. That's, that's not kosher. Now you can, um, 
you can convert a wood burning stove into a gas fireplace and that's okay because the gas is uh less hot and less of a nasty environment um less of a lot of things that are a problem than wood burners so uh, a wood burning stove can handle gas, but um, there, it's not designed for, for example, you know, um, pellets are are to be put in a pellet stove, and I'd mentioned the coal, that sort of thing. Uh, pay attention to what's going on inside there. Um, you'll also uh, want to make sure that you're not seeing anything crazy, like uh, maybe feathers or fur or needles uh, inside that wood-burning stove. All of the above needs to be reported, of course. Um, sometimes in meth-contaminated homes, they'll dispose of needles in, in, in other meth paraphernalia in very inventive ways. I've seen it down the, um, the heat registers, for example, as well. And so you're just going to want to be careful about, um, about what you look for. Keep your eyes open. Now, that's the firebox. You want to make sure that uh, near the firebox, you're not going to have any combustibles. There was an inspection that I did where it was in a nice uh, forest-type environment in the city. Uh, the guy had a lot of land, and around the land, he had all this uh, scrub oak, etc. And, you know, it was this beautiful hillside. And so the home was designed... So that you had um, a glass wall on both sides of this uh, stove that was kind of sort of placed in the corner. That stove was placed so close to the corner that the heat actually expanded that glass and caused it to crack. So it was a heat expansion thing um, and a, a, a glass failure. Obviously, at this point, uh, there's a couple of problems. One is that you've got some glass to replace, and the other is that you've got a stove to move. And or maybe we need to just um, have a fan there or put sheetrock there so that the glass isn't heating up so bad and, and being destroyed over and over again. So you're going to want to pay attention to what's going on around the firebox. Now, you, you're going to also want to look at the flue, and you can do this from within the firebox using a flashlight, usually, and you can also do this from the chimney if you can get up onto there safely. Uh, be careful when you look on the top, because sometimes there's a raccoon mama there to meet you, and she's not happy that you're there, and, um, you know, at that point, a number of bad things can happen. Maybe you're startled, uh, and you fall down the roof, or... Maybe she comes at you. Who knows what happens? But uh, don't allow yourself to get startled. Come at that flu being prepared for something crazy to happen. Uh, if it doesn't, then you're going to want to look for a creosote buildup, uh, that sort of thing. Inside, you're going to want to make sure that there is a damper and that it functions. Damper is basically that little... Um, sheet metal plate that rotates and uh, when it's open it allows the uh, the heat from the fire to escape and when it's closed it prevents downdrafting from the exterior when the fire is not on. Um, you're going to want to inspect of course the chimney as you get up there. You're going to want to make sure that uh, you know that we don't have the raccoon living there inside the the chimney. I've seen that a number of times, and I'm not even in an area that has a lot of critters. 
So depending on where you are, you are probably more likely to see critters than I am. And uh, so you want to keep an eye out for those. If, uh, if we have critters, then it becomes your job to suggest to the, the buyer how to make sure that they don't get in there. One of the ways to do that is to screen the top side of the chimney. And uh, that allows smoke air out, but it doesn't allow critters in, at least the bigger ones. One of the um, gas fireplaces that I got, uh, that I had in one of my homes actually still got critters in, but they were wasps. And I just chose not to deal with that because I didn't want to have to get in there and and, uh, resolve that problem. It's not something that you can screen them out. So occasionally I would just kill off the colonies. I'm sure those colonies were or hives were very large because it made a very protected area. So I would just kill them off with a um, a long, hot gas fire. Okay, uh, if you've got, as you're looking at that chimney, you're going to want to first take a look at the chimney cap. Make sure that we don't have any gaps or holes or anything there where uh, fire can escape Similarly, you, you're going to want to make take a look at um, at the chimney as it exits from the roof. Quite often, you're going to have a masonry sort of a um, chimney there, and if so, quite often the the masonry will be old, the mortar will be old, and if you've got a lot of holes coming out of that masonry, uh, you can have uh, you can have escaping of, of air in places where it needs to not go. Now, if you're already out of the roof, that's one thing, and it's less of an issue, but it may be an indication that um, th- there are holes all the way down the chimney. If so, and if you have a creosote fire, uh, that's one good way to burn the house down. So let's spend a minute on that. Basically, creosote is the equivalent of a tar. Uh, it happens on the wood and uh, as the wood burns it volatilizes and then as the smoke goes up the chimney that creosote the tar um, recondenses back on the flue and now you've got this burnable combustible material that is lining the flue Uh, have that scenario for months or years and now grandpa joe decides to build a real big fire because he wants to uh, you know, impress his family on how cool a fire he can make inside his fireplace. Um, now we've got this super hot fire, uh, hotter than it's been in quite a while, and the heat transfers, of course, up into the flue, relights all that creosote, and now you've got a fire all the way up the the flue. I have actually seen this happen twice in the home that I grew up in, where there was actually a flame rolling out of the top of the flue. That was in a home built in about 1959. Um, It can certainly happen. Now, if you imagine this scenario and you imagine that we've got holes in the masonry and uh, that masonry goes up through living space and through the attic and through the roof, all of those items have combustibles around them. If you've got flames rolling out, that is a very easy pathway for fire to find its way into, um, into for example, the attic or the, uh, the walls and uh, set the house on fire, burn the house down. 
These are things that use the home inspector. Obviously, you can't see through walls, but if you do see that a chimney needs to be repointed, uh, also known as remortared, basically just filling in the holes between the bricks, um, that is certainly an item you're going to want to be paying attention to. So, um, make sure you've got that flue clean. Uh, there are some logs that can be used, that can be burned, that actually will treat the creosote. And um, they're just going to have to follow ma manufacturer recommendations on when and how and how much, that sort of a thing. Um, can't tell you how often that is because that will change from one manufacturer to another. All right, uh, you got the damper that you want to make sure is there, make sure it's functional. It's going to get your hands very dirty, but you're going to want to pull that and make sure that it does a reasonable seal. You might even want to invest in a set of surgical gloves so that you can put that on, pull the damper, and now your hand's super dirty, unless you've got a surgical glove on, and then you can just take that off and throw it away. If you've got a lot of creosote in that flue, you're going to want to write that up and make sure that the buyer is very clear on what creosote means and what they need to do about it. Um, home fires, not good. So uh, we mentioned uh, about keeping critters out, keeping the chimney clear of, uh, of all kinds of things. For example, one of the homes that I did, we actually had a pine bough that had grown from a nearby tree actually and it was growing down into the chimney and it was burnt you know the rest of the tree was green this particular pine bough was brown and you could tell that it had tried <clears throat> to burn so that's the kind of thing that uh, you definitely need to be paying attention to obviously that uh, not only the bough but the whole branch uh, needed to be removed and the seller as well as the buyer need to be made aware that that's very much a dangerous situation. Um, pine trees are extremely combustible. You light a match on those, if they get going, they just become a bomb and they're, they're going to cause a huge fire. And the, the homeowner will be extremely lucky if it doesn't burn his home down. So that also becomes an inspection point. Uh, you're going to want to look at, the, again, repointing. It's if, the, uh, if the chimney needs to be repointed, that's going to be something, out, something that you're going to refer out to a mason. Now, as far as safety is concerned, with a wood-burning stove, you're going to want to make sure that there is a carbon monoxide detector in the area. It is not required by code, so it's hard to write it up as a big deficiency, uh, but you can certainly include it as a recommendation. Now, wood-burning stoves, um, let's say, for example, a part of carbon monoxide is just going to happen. It's, it's a natural consequence of burning wood. Uh, usually, that carbon monoxide is going to go up the chimney. But let's say, for example, that maybe we've got a wasp nest or a, um, a constriction of some sort. Maybe we've got, I don't know... Um, Mrs. Raccoon up there, and maybe she even died and she's bloated. Who knows? If um, if the carbon monoxide emissions cannot make it out of the house, they're going to go into the house, and then everybody dies. So you will want to recommend that there be a carbon monoxide detector uh, near the... Um, 
near the ceiling on this one. Now, the reason why I hesitated on that one, carbon monoxide typically is going to be heavier than air, and it's going to pool on the lowest level. Um, if, however, it is combined with hot air, it's going to rise with the hot air. So the question is, do we put it on the ceiling or the floor? And the answer is that depends on what it's hanging out with. If you have a carbon monoxide source that is a constant flame, such as, for example, the furnace or the water heater or a slow burn, um, maybe just a space heater that has a flame associated with it, maybe you do it on the floor. But uh, if you've got a lot of heat going with that space heater or the, the fireplace, then the CO detector goes on the ceiling. Something else that I would have you be aware of with wood-burning fireplaces. Um, and a lot of people like these, but they come at some cost. So I mentioned the fact that they're not necessarily environment, environmentally correct in all areas of the United States anymore, but there's more than that. Uh, people have to store wood outside and then bring it in. And you can imagine that people are not going to go for one, you know, they're not going to go outside, get a log, bring it in, and put it directly on the fire. Instead, what they're going to do is they're going to go out and grab a few logs, put them near the fireplace, and then put them on as needed. This can be a problem because this wood uh, can contain hornets, it can contain spiders, uh, critters of all varieties that um, now you've got a direct pathway for, for some items, some critters that you don't want in the house. Um, and sure enough, you bring them in and now you got, uh, you know, you got little Johnny being bitten or stung or what have you. You can imagine, of course, the scenario when somebody has, uh, let's say for a moment that the wasps uh, don't make it out before that log gets put onto the onto the um, fireplace. At this point, now you've got angry wasps that are flying out in a hot environment, and they're just waiting for somebody to, to sting in exchange for having uh, ruined their home. You have these sorts of scenarios where it's just not good, and as regrettable as it is that they're not politically correct anymore, it's also regrettable that um, this wood just is not considered uh, by many to be safe like it used to be. It's nice. I think a wood fireplace is real, and you know, as far as I'm concerned. If you're going to have a fireplace, it ought to be real, but there are some substantial costs associated with that. And I, for one, as uh, not as the home inspector, but as the homeowner, I don't really want to be bringing in those sorts of pests, you know, the, the black widows, et cetera, into my home in exchange for having a pretty fire. It's just not worth it to me. These are things you're going to want to pass along to your buyers and help them just have the information. They don't necessarily need you to tell them do it or don't do it, but they do deserve to have the information on uh, stove maintenance. Okay, uh, gas fireplaces. Let's go there. Now, I have seen, again, I've seen some gas fireplaces that are ventless. And as time goes by, 
ventless meaning that we don't have a flue associated with them. You just got this gas appliance that is in the house and that doesn't vent anywhere except for out into the living space. You will want to use your carbon monoxide detector and make sure that they are not emitting carbon monoxide into the house. Obviously, if they are, um, even in small varieties, small levels, that's going to be something you're going to want to write up. Now, to give you a flavor, uh, I saw a water heater once that was emitting a continuous stream of about seven parts per million carbon monoxide into this home. It was actually a little apartment building. We had a bunch of little uh, students, college students, girls, who were living there. And they actually, without knowing it, they were dealing with carbon monoxide poisoning. They had the headaches, the nausea, etc. And... Um, so the fact that I was there as the home inspector, I was able to explain why they were having these problems. Like I say, it was a seven parts per million um, poisoning level, addition level. Uh, to give you some contrast, EPA says that in the working environment, they will allow up to 50 parts per million uh, for an eight-hour work day. Now, Obviously, 7 is less than 50, so you might be thinking 7 is okay. The uh, The thing is that, again, carbon monoxide is heavier than air. It's going to pool, and it's going to build up. So it's uh, the answer is not that 7 is less than 50. It's you're okay. It's, you know, can you fill up a swimming pool with a garden hose? And the answer is yes. So we're basically adding continuously small levels of carbon monoxide uh, over time, and that can, of course, uh, cause the carbon monoxide level to go well beyond 50, and it can cause health effects of all varieties, including death. So you're going to want to make sure that those gas fireplaces, uh, especially if they're ventless, or even if they're not ventless, you're going to want to make sure that they're not emitting carbon monoxide into the house. Another one of the common things that I see with gas fireplaces is that uh, people decide they don't want to mess with the gas fireplace anymore and it's easier to bring in wood. So they bring in wood and they burn wood in a gas fireplace. Now, a gas fireplace is going to have a small width surround. It's not as beefy as a wood fireplace surround. You're going to want to take a look at a, uh, just go to a gas fireplace shop and take a look at the surround you'll see that it's very thin maybe a half an inch this is much thinner than the full-on masonry surround that you're going to have for a wood fireplace you cannot safely burn wood in a gas fireplace yet you will inspect homes where people do it all the time you're going to want to call those out and make sure that everybody's clear that this is not okay not only is the surround not designed for wood burning, but the flues are not designed for wood burning either. And uh, so none of this is okay, and it's definitely something that you're going to want to write up. Um, you are going to, of course, want to make sure that there is a flue on a gas burner. If there is not, uh, you've got to bring that up and make sure, again, that uh, we don't have any carbon monoxide emissions even if so, you're going to want to have some assurance that this fireplace was designed to be carbon monoxide free for the long term because even if it passes inspection today, it may not pass inspection next week or five years from now. Uh, again, 
pass this information on to your client. The flu needs to be protected. Uh, again, this goes back to keeping critters out, etc. And the damper on a gas fireplace can be an issue um, for a couple of reasons. One, if you've got a glass cover plate and it has, or a, a, a gas fireplace and it has no glass cover plate that seals, um, a couple of things can happen, especially with a gas fireplace. So let's say, for example, that you've got a gas fireplace, somebody turns it on, the flu is closed, they're not aware that there is even a flu as part of the system. They, maybe it's grandma and she just wants a fire. Um, maybe grandpa usually turns it on and opens the flu, but today grandma does it. If she does not open the flu and the gas is on, grandma dies. We've got uh, all that carbon monoxide that should be leaving the home, and it is not. Uh, you've, if you've got a gas fireplace with no glass cover plate, all it takes is once, and everybody is dead. So as a result, quite often with a glass with a gas fireplace and no glass cover plate, uh, somebody will block that flue open so that it cannot possibly be completely closed. That becomes a problem for Grandma because she's going to feel the downdrafting all winter long, and that 1% of the time that the gas is on is the only time that we're not going to have cold air. As a result, this gas fireplace is going to be extremely inefficient. It's actually going to be the cause of much more coldness and... Uh, grandma complains than it was ever meant to be. The fix, of course, is to put the glass cover plate on that and block that flue open permanently with the glass cover plate that seals. Now we're not going to get downdrafting um, in the winter. We're not going to get those cold blasts of air when the when the gas fireplace is off. And we know that the exhaust air actually leaves the house because that air behind the glass cover plate is actually exterior air. You will want to make it very clear with your buyers that um, that they need to have that glass cover plate if they want their family to be safe and or they don't want that downdrafting all winter long. Um, the chimney itself, again, you want to keep the critters out. Uh, that is very similar to a wood-burning fireplace. Uh, you just can't have blockages of any sort. One of the uh, homes that I inspected, actually, the buyer got in before I did, and there was a bunch of raccoon pups in there that were crying for mom. They were on the, the grill right above the fireplace. And uh, he saw those, and apparently mom didn't go rescue those, so he actually took those raccoon pups and uh, went and fed and handed them to a friend who had some snakes. So the snakes became well-fed that, uh, that day. Um, if you've got, if you're, if you're inspecting the, uh, the gas fireplace, you're going to want to be paying attention to any sign of that. Again, feathers, fur... Uh, hay or weeds or any sort of a nesting material, you're going to want to be paying attention to that. I have also seen, and this applies with wood burning as well, I have seen where Grandpa decided that he didn't want to have the downdrafting, so he would actually put a, usually a wood cover with maybe a brick on top of it to, to just seal that chimney. Well, that's great. It uh, reduces, but it does not eliminate the downdrafting. 
But then come springtime, actually not springtime, come November, uh, Grandma decides to build a fire, and Grandpa has forgotten to take his cover off of the top side of the chimney, and everybody dies. So uh, having the chimneys be clear is not only about critters, it's about preventing Grandpa from or anybody else from doing something stupid and blocking that chimney whether it be summer, winter, spring, or fall. Um, you also want to make sure that these chimneys are kid-proof. And what that means, especially in gas fireplaces, is that um, sometimes, the, especially with gas fireplaces, they'll basically just exhaust right out to the side, and um, they'll be low enough and maybe poorly protected enough that a kid could go outside and lean against it or put his pocket knife in there or who knows what he's doing and get himself burned or cause problems or maybe, I don't know, put a ball in there or a basketball. Who knows what he's going to do. But uh, you'll want to you'll inspect for kid-proofness. And if, uh, if, it, if the event is low enough that it is accessible to a child, you may want to suggest that the, um, the unit, the exhaust, be maybe protected with another grill or that it be raised so that it is uh, more kid-proof. Again, the uh, carbon monoxide detector on a gas fireplace probably ought to be placed near the floor as it's more likely to be a continuous flow and, uh, and the air there is, is going to settle because you're not going to have the raging fire. You're, you're going to have more of a continuous flow. And so the CO detector on the floor will, will pick that up more rapidly. Okay, pellet stoves, we're going to hit that. Uh, again, as the home inspector, you're going to be expected to know everything about everything. And uh, in, in this case, you're going to be expected to know everything about wood-burning stoves, gas fireplaces, and pellet stoves. Because no matter where you live, unless it's Florida perhaps, you will have pellet stoves that you run into. So bottom line with those is that they are more environmentally correct. Uh, the fuel for those does not include uh, usually spiders and wasps and, and critters of all sorts, uh, ants, termites, etc. So that's, that's better. The price for the stove is, uh, is a little better. The cost of the fuel for, woods, for wood is better because often that's cheap. Um, the, the pellet stoves do require power. Um, so the, the wood stove gets an advantage there because it does not require power. Um, but pellet stoves are greener. They're much safer. They perform better. They do better in the maintenance category where wood stoves shine for me, uh, compared to pellet stoves is that again, the, the wood stove is real. Uh, you, you put a log on the fire and you can see those flames. You can hear the sounds associated with the flames. But again, for me, the price is too high. Uh, I personally prefer uh, a fake fireplace or no fireplace at all. By fake, I mean gas fireplaces or pellets. Now, again, that's an aesthetic thing and that's an opinion and that probably not something that uh, you're going to want to pass on to your clients. Uh, what you are going to want to do, though, is pass on the reasons why 
wood burning or a gas fireplace or pellet stoves have the advantages that they do. Um, let me go over that again. As far as the green factor is concerned, the pellets provide uh, uh, a lot less environmental impact because the, uh, the quality of the exhaust is much better with a pellet stove. They're safer because little Johnny is not able to get in there and roast his shirt uh, or a marshmallow or whatever it is he's going to, to roast uh, in a pellet stove. It's more of a sealed environment. Maintenance is much less of an issue in, in a pellet stove because you do not have the issues with creosote that you have with wood burning. And, of course, with a pellet stove, you can only burn pellets, which means that, again, you're not going to have the critter issues with wasps or termites or spiders or what have you. Um, so that's, that's very helpful. It's a lot more predictable. If you're away at work and little Johnny decides to build a fire, it's a lot more predictable with a pellet stove. So... Um, that is your kindergarten level uh, understanding, training on wood burning, well, on fireplaces of all sorts. Uh, of course, you're going to want to go further. And again, depending on whether you live in Alaska or Florida, there will be more for you to learn about stoves uh, of whatever nature. And um, we'll, we'll finish up with that. Uh, good having you on board. Now, as always, go out there. Treat the customer well. Make me proud.